Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Everybody here knows somebody that go to church and they really ain't about that life. And so we got to make sure if you're really a Christian that we live it out, that we're a good example, a good witness to people that are observing us, that are watching us. And so here Paul says, look, you guys became imitators of the churches of God. That's all they had to go off of. They only had Paul for three Sabbath days. And so think about the examples. They had to look to other believers for, how do we do this? We're committed, but we're just getting going. In your faith, have you ever felt stagnant? Have you ever felt like you know Jesus, but you don't feel any change in your standing with him? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that a relationship with Jesus is a two-way street. If you want to experience all of the glorious things that God has in store, put in the work. It's not enough to just go through the motions, such as reading your Bible and going to church. What matters is making a focused effort to keep up your relationship with Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As he begins his message, you are our glory and joy. A little bit of recap. This letter to the church in Thessalonica is written by the Apostle Paul. Where was Paul at when he wrote this letter? In jail. It seems like he's always in jail when he's writing these letters. So we'll see today that God has used, you know, some of the downtime for Paul, some of the difficult things. God would always flip it on its head and use it for his purpose, use it to to do a greater work. And so we saw Paul had gone to the area of Thessalonica. Uh, he was there for how long? My students, three weeks, three Sabbath days. He was there giving them God's word, contending with them for the faith. Um, and then he got chased out of the city. So Paul's heart has been to go back, but he didn't get to go back. And some of his guys that he left behind, Timothy and Silas, they came to Paul and said, bro, these guys are doing great. Uh, they're thriving. The church is doing well. The believers are, 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 are they're flourishing there, even after you've only been there three weeks. And so uh, Paul was encouraged to hear it. There were some things that, that he needs to answer and correct in this letter, but he writes this letter to them to encourage them, to challenge them in some areas as well. Um, I titled the message today, we're going to cover uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. We're going to finish the chapter. And I titled the chapter, You Are Our Glory and Joy. We'll see as we come to the end of this chapter that Paul is really thanking God for these believers. I want you guys to know this, because Paul was a pastor. And there's nothing that brings a pastor more joy than to hear that those that he cares for minister, that they're doing well, that they're continuing. Even if he's gone, Paul's like, I'm not even there, but I still care, right? I care about how they're doing. I can tell you guys, I did youth ministry at my old church for 12 years. It brings me joy when I see some of these kids that were little kids that they're walking with the Lord now. They're, when I see some of the little the guys that were, I had them in worship band or they were in the sound ministry, but now they're husbands and they're dads, but they're 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 leading their family. That it, it blesses me to no end to see that they're continuing with the Lord. And so Paul is that's his heart here. He's, he's hearing that they're doing well. He's like, man, it just it just even though he's in he's in a bad situation, Paul's like, man, this thing is this thing is floating my sail, man. This thing is lighting me up, you know. And um, I really believe for us, if if we would invest in people spiritually, um, if that becomes our our which which everybody here is called to do, we, we may not all call be called to do it as pastors, but we're all called to to be concerned for other people's spiritual well being, to be sharing the gospel and, and making disciples. We're all called to that. And if we all get involved and we do our part, there'll be people that you had a hand in. 
and you get to watch over the years as they grow, as they flourish. You get to watch them fall, and you get to be there to kind of help them back up on their feet. But you, you'll be at a point, you'll be looking out saying, wow, these people are, they're in the Lord um, because God used me to bring them to Christ. God used me to disciple them in the Lord. Some of you parents, maybe some of you parents have raised kids and maybe you didn't get all of them, but you got one of them or two of them or some of them. But any parent that's raising kids that are walking with the Lord, is it a joy? Because it's a bummer when they don't, but when they do, it's a blessing. It's a joy. And so Paul is, is uh, some of what we're going to look at today is Paul is encouraged by uh, what he's hearing about these believers. And so pick up at verse 13 with me. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. When you get it, say, got it. All right. Paul says this now. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. There's a mouthful here, but Paul says, look, I'm, I, he, he already gave other reasons why he was thanking God for these believers. But he says, look, also for this. We thank God without ceasing for you guys, because when you guys receive from us and I want you to I want you to listen to this, you guys, it is possible to receive the word of God, hear it, take it in, but not flesh it out. You could take it in. You could be listening to the same message someone else is listening to and you're hearing it, but you're not being transformed by it. You're not you're not you're not adding faith to it. You're not adding obedience to it. You're just you're just hearing it. Right. The Bible says don't be hearers only, but be what? Doers of the word. And so there, there's no power in just hearing. And so Paul said, you know what I'm grateful for? You know what I thank God for with you guys? That when we spoke God's word to you guys, you received it as the word of God, which you heard from us. You welcomed it. Uh, you guys took it in as it was in truth. God's word. Um, maybe some of you guys have experienced it where you share God's word with someone and they act like, what? Well, I don't. How do I know that's from God? You know, they got all kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, just they got lots of, you know, roadblocks they put up for. Well, I'm not sure if that, you know, well, yeah. I tell people God's word, and I hear them say, well, yeah, I know God's. I know the Bible says that, but nah, man, I'm saying you can't say but to God. Y'all know that you can't tell God, yeah, but you got to say yes, Lord. You got to say okay, Master. You got to say I receive that. But Paul says, look, when they heard the word from us. They received it as the word of God. They welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And he says this, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word of God will effectively work in you who believe. And so the question I would ask you based on that verse is, how do you receive the word of God? How do you receive it? When you read on your own, how do you receive it? Because here's some ways you can receive the word of God that won't work out into effective living. Maybe you receive it as just, you know, information, you know, that you can kind of take, you can kind of take what you like and leave what you don't like. That's not how you're supposed to receive the word of God. You can't read God's word like a regular book because the Bible tells us that it's inspired by God. These are his words. Um, so there's an authority to the word of God that we're, we're to, we need to receive it with the authority that says that this is what God said to us. Uh, I can't hear God's word and say, well, that's what you say. No, no. I read you chapter and verse. That's what God said on an issue. So when we're trying to make decisions about our lives and we're we're going to God's word, we want to receive it as the very word of God. And so uh, I just encourage you guys to consider how do you receive God's word? 
Um, do you receive it with the authority that it deserves? Do you receive it with the absolute authority that God's word demands? Uh, let me give an example, right? What does the Bible say about forgiveness? Is forgiveness optional for the believer? It's not, right? It's, it's demanded because you've been forgiven. Jesus said, look, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, what'd he say? Neither will your father in heaven forgive you. It's not optional. It's not something you can, it's not something for you to pray about. But you know what some believers will say? I'm really upset with them. You don't know what they did to me. As though, does God care about what they did to you? No, he cares about you forgiving them because what did you do to God? Think about all, think about, think of, what if all your sins were piled up and listed? God said, I forgave you for that. So it's not an option for you to forgive, whatever it may be, however difficult it may be. Forgiveness is something that God requires. And so um, that can't be something where you're like, God, I'm praying about rather or not, I will. No, don't pray about it, right? It's, it's time to act. It's time to obey. So uh, maybe that's for somebody today. Maybe you're somebody you need to go ahead and forgive so you can be right with God uh, finally. So, but he said that they received the word of God as it was God's word and it works effectively in those who believe. And so God's word, God, God's word should work in us, you guys. It, it should transform us. It should cause us to think different, to do different, to behave different. And those that are receiving as God's word, those believers lives will be transformed. If you start taking in God's word, you'll see everything different. Right. Um, from the time I got saved till now, there's been a major transformation. I'm still under transformation, but my outlook on a lot of things has changed um, because God, you know, the Bible says God will renew your mind through his word. And so um, so I'm encouraging you guys that you would read it with faith that there'd be submission and obedience to God's word that will bring about transformation in our lives. And so verse 14 now, he says, for you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. And so Paul says, look, you guys, when you guys believe, you guys imitated the church in Judea, right? There were some similarities between you and the church. How many of you guys have heard the phrase, you might be the only Bible some people read, right? And what that means is there may be some people in your life that they're not picking up the book, but they're observing you for what it looks like. And that's why as if I'm going to take the name of Christ, if I'm going to let people know I'm a Christian, it does matter how I behave, how I speak, what I do, how I get down in this life, because there are some people that are trying to figure out if it's real and they're observing my life. They're observing your life to see is this thing for real? Because everybody here knows some fake Christians. Everybody here knows somebody that go to church and they really ain't about that life. And so we got to make sure if you really a Christian that we live it out, that we're a good example, a good witness to people that are observing us, that are watching us. And so here Paul says, look, you guys became imitators of the churches of God. That's all they had to go off of. They only had Paul for three Sabbath days. And so think about the examples they had to look to other believers for. And how do we do this? We're committed, but we're just getting going. And so we're looking at examples. Some of you guys need to consider this. Some of your kids are watching you for an example. They may never say that. Your kids may never say, you know, your daughters may never say, Mom, I'm trying to learn how to behave, you know, as a wife based on how you're treating dad. Um, and some of y'all will be ashamed if your daughters grew up and treat their husband like you treat yours. Um, but maybe you're a great wife. Or, you know, maybe you're wonder, maybe you're wonder wife um, and, and, and your daughters are getting a, a preem example of how it's to be done. Same with you dads. Right. There are people that are observing us for how it's to be done. Paul says these guys, you guys have imitated the churches in 
uh, in Judea. Interesting because in, in Ephesians 5, 1, Paul said, be imitators of God as dear children, right? Just if you're going to imitate, imitate the Lord. Paul said in another place, follow me while I follow Jesus, right? Follow my example, he was saying. And so these believers are following the examples of the church in Judea. The only difference was the, the church in Judea suffered persecution from other Jews, from other, uh, from other Judeans, right? Um, the church in Thessalonica, they're suffering persecution from Gentiles. Um, but Paul says, either way, you guys are suffering persecution. Now, that's important. Persecution is not, not just being persecuted, but enduring persecution is one of the proofs of genuine transformation, right? Some people that may maybe have made a, a lightweight commitment to Christ, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. But when the fire turns up, when 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 there may be loss of friendships, when there's lifestyle changes that are that are called upon, you know, that's really when our, our is our faith in Christ genuine when it gets tested like that. Do I continue to walk it out or do I fall back? Um, do I fall back into the crowd? Do I fall back into the group? And so it's those that endure temptation. It's one of the proofs that hey, well, God is doing something in my heart that's genuine. I'm not the same. I'm, I'm even willing to suffer persecution for it. Um, and so these believers here were willing to go through it. They, they were being persecuted by the people around them and they were taking it. They were enduring it. I would ask you guys to consider, right, as you come to Christ, if you have, as you take a stand for the Lord, because you should. Uh, there are going to be many times and many opportunities in this life where you just stand with God that you're going to find that there's going to be opposition to the stance that you take. Uh, there's going to be opposition to to your position, um, your belief, the what you will and what you won't do. And so when that happens, you stand in your ground in the Lord is going to be important. Um, and, it, and, it, and it probably will cost you something. I don't really know anybody that's really living for God that haven't lost a friend or lost, a, a you know, where things haven't been affected um, by it. Um, but there's lots to be gained. There's a whole lot to be gained. When I first came to the Lord, uh, I had to walk away pretty much from my whole friendship group. But. The upside was because God knew I was never going to be sober hanging out with them fellas. You know, uh, I could not hang out with the fellas and and not get lit. So for me, God was like, you got to come out of that right away. Um, and it was in coming out of that that I got freedom over alcohol. I got freedom over those addictions that were that were really ruining my life at that time. Uh, it seemed like I was giving up something, but I really gained something in the midst of it. Um, and so and then you get persecuted. I have people say, oh, now you think you all that. No, never said I was all that. Uh, never said I wasn't hanging out with you because I'm all that. I'm not hanging out with you because I'm weak. And if I do, I'm going to be drunk and I'm going to break all the rules and I'm going I mean, to not be a good example of this thing. So um, it's important that we be willing to endure some persecution. I'm amazed at believers that they like just want everything to be easy, but it does cost something to rep the Lord. And so these believers here were suffering persecution from um, the, the Gentiles that were in their area locally. Now, Paul goes in on the Judean people for a minute. Um, just He goes into a list of some of the sins and some of the things that they have done in verse 15 and 16. So he says he, that they've done these things. I'll read it to us. It says, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. So quick, quick, you know, walk through the list. First of all, they killed the Lord Jesus. Now, the Jews did that, but everybody's responsible for the death of Jesus. Are we, are we clear on that? 
uh, the Jews, they were by their hand. The Romans had their part in it. But if, if I had to ask you, if you said, Bill, who killed Jesus? Everybody did because he died for the sins of the world. Everybody ever sinned is responsible for his death. Uh, he died in order that our sins could be forgiven and washed away. But specifically here, the Jews had their religious part of this. They were the ones that were religiously persecuting Jesus to the point of death. And so they're called on the table for that. It says they killed Jesus. They even killed their own prophets. That's a big deal, right? God said, I sent people to you guys with my message and you killed them. Think about that for a minute, y'all. If somebody came to you with a message you didn't like, you, you might tell them, man, get out of my face with that. I don't want to hear that. But they killed them. They're like, I, I don't want to hear your message so bad, so tough. We're going to kill. We, they killed prophets, snuffed them out, right? Don't want to hear that message, killed them. Um, and so it said, you guys killed the Lord. You guys killed prophets. Um, you persecuted us. You don't please God and you're contrary to all men. Uh, that Their behavior does not please God and is contrary to all men. I believe Paul added here that their behavior does not please God because it's possible that some of these young believers were wondering. I wonder is, are they right and we wrong, right? Um, I think that happens in our culture where people look at other beliefs and religions and they're like, how do, you, how do we figure out which one is right? Anybody here ever, ever battled through that, trying to figure out, how do I know if, if, if how do I know that Christianity is right? Anybody? Just me? All right, raise, raise them up. Let me, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm not all by myself. So let me give you a couple things, right? If you've ever sat there and said, man, there's all kind of religions. Though. There's Christianity, there's Islam, there's Buddhism, there's, you know, uh, re, it's, there's a lot of different things that we could go with. How do I know that what I'm believing is the truth? How, how, how can I be so sure um, there's some other people that seem very convinced of their beliefs. Uh, when I see Jehovah Witnesses at Winchell's Donuts in the cold, they look very convinced to me of their truth. When I see a white Mormon missionary in Watts on a bike, I'm like, they, they seem very convinced of, of, you know, what it is that they're doing or whatever. So, you know, there, there are things you can look at and be like, they seem very convinced when I see a jihadist, you know, crash a plane into a building, believing he's going to paradise. He looks very convinced of what he has believed in. But I'm going to give you something that God has given believers that no other religion has given to their followers, right? The, the, the only religion, the only belief system where, where, where God is, where, where the God of that belief has prophesied, has spoken future events is the Bible. This is, don't, don't snuff over this. This is very important. No other religion has accurately foretold the future ever, ever, Ever. There's no prophetic word out of the Quran. There's no prophetic word out of Eastern religion. There's no prophetic word out of any other book. And Jesus said, look, I tell you these things before they happen, that when they do come to pass, you will know that I am he. So when I tell you something that's going to happen in the future and you watch it happen in the present, then you look back at what I said and you know that those words are from God because I live outside of time. And I know the past, the present, the future all at the same time. And so if you do any, just a light study of prophecy, it'll blow your mind. The things that God has said are happening, are going to happen, that have happened. The things that God has told in the past, in this book, that have happened in our lifetime, they're there. There are things that are unfolding right now in our face, you guys. Right now, everybody's talking about this virus and the, the cure for the virus and a shot. And they're talking about, you know, what's going to be in the shot and all these different things going on. Well, the Bible talks about a time that's coming. Where in order to buy or sell or function in society, you're going to have to take this mark on your hand or your forehead. Y'all know that? 
And it says, now I'm not saying that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Don't miss me. Don't, don't misunderstand me on that. But I'm saying, we got to say, look, the technology that exists today to do it is here. Now, 100 years ago, somebody might have read that revelation and been like, that's crazy. You buy with your right hand. That's, that, that, you know, that might have sounded preposterous 100 years ago. But to you and me, some of y'all got dogs with chips in them, right? If you lose Fluffy, we can find her scanner, blip, blip, and then they'll tell us who she belongs to, how to get her back into your, your, your hands or whatever. So something that was laughable not that long ago is very we 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 can see today why it would happen why would why would the the motive for it the identity theft and all these things that like there's a motive for it um we can see all these things happen like the stage is set for all of that you got to look at the bible and be like wow god was god god has never foretold and been wrong ever without a rewrite of his book so um, anyway, that's just one that's one of many things that we can look at but if you've ever wondered how do I know just know this, that the God of the Bible, because everybody here is moving into a future that's unknown to you, right? You're going to die one day, guaranteed, unless we're here for the rapture. And the Bible says it's appointed a man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. You're going to live one life, die one death. And that's the million-dollar question. What happens when I die? What happens? Because if everybody's going to die, what happens when I die? Everybody has a different understanding. Um, there's some that say, oh, you're going to reincarnate, come back as a pit bull, cockroach, frog, depending on how you lived in this life, you get to do it again. That's what they believe. Some people say, well, if you die going out for this belief, you might get a, you get to go to a paradise and have a bunch of virgin wives. If you're Mormon and you die as a good Mormon, you get to populate a planet, you get another religion where you get a bunch of virgin wives and populate a planet. I always wonder with these religions where you get all these virgin wives, like what do the women get, right? It, it, it almost is a hint that these are man-made religions because it sounds like what every man wants. A, a planet with a bunch of virgin wives that that's the sound like the carnality of man and dreamed up his own heaven but i don't know any woman that's like oh i'll be wife number eight yay you know i don't i don't know about that so every religion say they all end somewhere different you know the catholics oh there's purgatory you can pray people out of hell or whatever there's everybody got something different to say here's the deal the bible says because if, if, if you're gonna tell me about the future I need to know you have a track record of telling the future. Amen. You're not going to give me financial advice and you broke. Um, I'm not going to go to a fitness instructor that's fat. <laughs> you know, like you just there need to be proof that you know what you're talking about. So if you're telling me what's going to happen when I die, I want to know that you've accurately foretold the future. Well, the Bible has done it over a thousand times. And so the Bible says, look, you're going to live one life. You're going to die one death. And when you die, you're going to stand before God. Hebrews 927. When you stand before God, what happens? Some people misunderstand this. Oh, God's going to weigh out your good and bad. Wrong. Uh, if, if God did weigh out your good and bad, you lose. You're going to hell. Um, you got way more bad than good. But God's not weighing out your good and bad. When you stand before God, one thing is on the discussion table. Y'all know what it is? What did you do with Jesus? That's it. That, that is the eternal question that everybody here will, 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 you will die or live based on what, what did you do with Jesus? God will say, look, I sent my son. From heaven to earth, he died on the cross in your place because I love you. Even though you sin, even though you break my commandments, I care about you. I love you. And I did something for you. I sent my son to die in your place. And I sent messengers to tell you that if you would believe in him, you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. And some of you have received him and I receive you back. But some of you that have rejected my son will now be rejected as well. Y'all understand that? That's what's up for discussion. None of you were good or bad, smoked dope or drank wine. Did you, what did you do with Jesus? And I ask everybody here, consider that question today. What have you done with Jesus? If you've received him, 
then, hey, that's that's the most important thing you will ever do in this life. Receive Christ, his forgiveness of your sins. Um, nothing more important will you do in this life than that. If you have not done that, then and you're living and breathing today. Don't skimp on this opportunity to do what you have never done. You can do it today. Imagine a withered, seemingly dead houseplant that doesn't look like it will survive. You check on it daily. You give it water and make sure it's getting the right amount of sunlight. Then finally, it perks up. The life has returned to it. Your patience and love prevailed in revitalizing it to a healthy state. This is what Christ does for us, as we're reminded in 1 Thessalonians. Friends, we can be refreshed and restored instead of discouraged and tired. What a grand picture. There are many life-giving nuggets found in the Bible like this one, and so much more to learn about. That's why this ministry dedicates a space on our website to download the mobile app. This is a great tool to have because it allows you to hear the teachings of Jesus whenever and wherever you are. Head on over to calvaryinglewood.org and scroll down to the bottom of the page. There you'll find the information you need. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be ecstatic for you to join us this coming Sunday if you're in the area. There's a service at 11 a.m. and for our early birds, a 9 a.m. service. Tied up on Sunday with other things? We understand. There's also a midweek gathering on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can find the directions and other helpful information on our homepage, calvaryinglewood.org. Would you consider partnering with us to reach more people for Jesus? If so, just click on the Give tab and know that we're grateful for your generosity. Well, we're out of time for today. We look forward to the next time we're together, right here on A Transforming Word.